Hi everyone, welcome to the Superficial Spirit, where we explore how pop culture affects our spiritual experiences. My name is Peter Breeze. Join me while we ask a very important question. What the hell did pop culture do to me? Welcome back to the Superficial Spirit. My guest today left the hustle and bustle of Toronto for the serene countryside of Nova Scotia. They traded in their one-bedroom condo for a seven-bedroom, seven-washroom mansion. I'm calling it a mansion. um, That is now a bed and breakfast. Please welcome Marty and Stefan. Thank you for being here, guys. How are you? Yeah. Hello. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Doing really well, Peter. Thanks for, for having us on the podcast. We were just talking like before we started recording where you guys are like, you know, I don't know if we're like the right fit for your show because you talk to drag queens and it's pop culture. But like for the listeners too, I want to set the tone. This is ep- this episode is a little different in the sense that I'm not talking to somebody on TV. I'm not talking to somebody who's had some crazy spiritual experience, but you two have made quite a big life change in that you left Toronto for, you know, the middle of nowhere, Nova Scotia, you bought this big house, you're transforming it to a, um, have transformed it into a bed and breakfast. And to me, it's transformative. When I read the article I first saw on CTV or, or CBC, I think it was like years ago, I read it instantly. I was like, I want to talk to them, but it's just taken me a while to get there. So even though it's not pop culture focused, I think the transformative nature of the move and also... Um, yeah. You know, the fact that you're queer and you're living in the middle of nowhere, I think the listeners will be interested to hear how that kind of change and that kind of big decision, you know, affected you both. Yeah. And I mean, we technically were on TV when CTV put our faces up under the accidental banner that the RCMP was looking for two (laughs) people who had like stabbed somebody. No, Uh, it was our picture. So, yeah. And we looked very happy. Yeah. Yeah. They, so, thought, they, wait, they put you up as the suspects it was on by um, accident yeah the, the ticker tape so it was our they talked about our story and a big photo of us smiling on the beach or something at, yeah uh, after like at a party or something a birthday party um and then the ticker tape underneath said you know canada's most wanted two male <laughs> yeah. wanted for stabbings <laughs> in northern saskatchewan or manitoba and uh, so for an evening, we were Canada's Most Wanted, which was oh my God, I yeah. love that. the amount of screenshots we received from people. Yeah. So then you have been on TV and you are famous. There you go. Perfect. So why don't you start off by setting the tone of, you know, I kind of gave it away that you've moved to Nova Scotia, but tell me about your lives before that. How long have you been together? Where were you living in Toronto? What was your lifestyle like um, before yeah. you made the decision? So we just celebrated our fifth anniversary um, and we were both living in Toronto. Uh, We met on Bumble. Um, Marty is an ICU registered nurse and was working downtown. Um, At the time I was working at a tech company, but now I run my own consultancy. Uh, And, you know, we got together and it kind of worked. It mostly worked because on our first date, I wanted to go on a second date and he pulled out his phone and was like, we're going to calendar this in. And I was like, done. 
this we're we're good. <laughs> I can work with this um, organization. Yeah. <laughs> key. Um, yeah. And what about 2019? We started talking about leaving Toronto. We weren't rushing to leave, but we were like, well, for like we moved in together. We do oh, yeah. a year after we we met, so we were living right um, just north of the Eaton Center in Toronto, so right downtown. Okay. Wow, yeah, of the village. Yep, um, and then uh, yeah, kind of shortly thereafter, we started discussing our, our goals for you know what does the future look like? Where do we want to be? Um, is Toronto the Toronto? Is that the place we we want to be um, for like you know the foreseeable future, or are we thinking of leaving? And at that time, we were kind of, I was starting my master's degree um, and we were kind of planning like, well, let, let's wait till you graduate and then we'll kind of re- we'll, you know, revisit this later. Um, and then lo and behold, 2020 hit. Uh, so COVID happened. Um, my work life became untenable. Oh uh, and yeah. then on top of finishing my master's and everything, I was at my wit's end. I didn't really want to be in the city uh, much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of expedited our conversation of like, instead of talking about it when I graduate, let's have a plan in place so that the moment I graduate, we have a plan to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so essentially, um, some spring 20, summer 2021. No, 2020. 2020. Yeah. Yep. Left. No, 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 talking no. about when we left. So oh. I graduated in the summer of 2021. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had my last day of work. I had my last day of school. And then we moved out of the apartment like all in the same week. And then oh we my God. Rode, rode out to Nova Scotia. Yeah. But there's a bit more to it because in 2020, when Marty was at his wits end, I was also approaching my wits end. I'd been working remotely. So my clients mm-hmm. didn't actually change how they worked with me. But in our tiny apartment, you know, I was at my desk shoved in the corner and Marty was at the edge of the couch all day, every day. Uh, and, you know, we went on our stupid little walk for our stupid little mental health. Um, <laughs> but then I, you know, I've had a passion for big old houses, Marty as well. Um, and in particular, Chateau in France and castles in England. And okay. so I started looking them up and, and believe it or not, they're actually quite affordable to buy. The problem is maintaining them, but they're affordable to buy. And I was like, hey, do you want to move to France? Uh, and, and that was quickly shut down as, as just a little too impractical. And then uh, out of nowhere, a friend emailed me a story about like castles in Nova Scotia. Um, and he was like, you like castles? Go to Nova Scotia. And I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. So I went on realtor.ca. I found this gorgeous property, but it was absolute middle of nowhere the house was in horrible condition almost a teardown and marty was like stefan be serious so i said okay what would need to be true in order for you to seriously consider moving anywhere nova scotia europe whatever and so we created a checklist um, first of all, we determined it had to be Canada because Marty's nursing credentials can go anywhere in Canada and I can work on the internet. So I need high speed internet. So we said, we said that and said, okay. Um, then came down to the house that we wanted. We wanted, you know, anywhere from six to 10 bedrooms because we knew we wanted to do a bed and breakfast of some sort. Um, we then wanted to be in what I called a complete town which I defined as having a cafe, a restaurant, a bar, a grocery store, a hardware store, and a hospital. 
So I looked around Canada for towns with those six things. Then we wanted to be within an hour of an international airport where we could get direct to Toronto, the United States, and Europe, at least one direct flight. Um, and then it basically was like, we want to be near a city that has healthcare for Marty and tech for me. And after that, we set a budget and started looking literally across Canada. Um, well, we eventually got to Nova Scotia because the West Coast was too expensive. Um, Ontario was too expensive. We don't speak French and we didn't want to live in Montreal. Like We love the city, but we were trying to leave the city. So we didn't want yeah. to live there. Um, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and PEI are just a little too small in terms of the, the tech and the healthcare, And that and, left and the access to airports and the well. access to airports. Yeah. So that left Nova Scotia. So we, we bought a house on a checklist sight unseen off the internet. Wow. That is crazy. Um, I didn't know that there was, um, castles in Nova Scotia, first of all. <laughs> There are four, like some rich Scott moved here in 17, whatever, and built yeah. a castle. It's, it's nothing compared to Europe, of course. Um, so I, I just want to go back a little bit because when you, when you started talking about leaving Toronto or like you wanted to move, were you both, I guess not Marty, you were a little hesitant about leaving the city um, how did you reconcile that? Like when you were, when you were exploring options, were you city people? Were you going out? Were you going to the village a lot? Did you have a big social life or were you homebodies? And, you know, slowly it started to make more sense to leave the city life because the biggest question that I have that I'm thinking about when you're making a move like that is you're leaving a lifestyle, right? You're leaving access. Yep especially yep. for queer folks. So yep. what were the conversations like in the early days about leaving Toronto specifically? So I know from my perspective, um, like we were living our twenties in Toronto. So it was, I think both of us, you, like Stefan, you kind of pseudo through work. You were going to events yeah, almost like five to six times a week in the evenings, Sometimes, um, yeah. partly for work, but partly for, um, you know, free food and, you know, a, a, an open bar or whatever. <laughs> I might have said. Uh, Thank you. And uh, I, I would go out frequently. Um, I was a student in the city for a little while um, in undergrad and then living, you know, in the city, um, you go out all the time and as one could afford to. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think the, the one of the big uh, factors was that we enjoyed Toronto for the the culture, the activities, the there's a street festival every weekend in the summer, but then COVID happened. Um, and when all of those extra elements, like the fun socializing aspect of it, when, when socializing mm. was actually scary because you were worried about like, well, what, you know, am I going to get sick? Am I going to have to, you know, mm -hmm. what, what have you, especially before the vaccine? Um, we kind of had this element of like, well, then what are we even doing here? Mm -hmm. Um, because without all of those extra things, our actual living situation was very uncomfortable. It was very small. It was very yeah. tight. We had a really, like, at least we had a balcony, but it was, you know, north facing and encased in cement. So it wasn't really much. I always complained about how dark it was. Oh, um, and so <laughs> we just kind of, once all those extra fun bits of the city were kind of stripped away, our living situation really wasn't very happy yeah. or grand at all. Um, so then the option of leaving for more space and the, you know, the kind of the happy small town living idea, um, was great. I will say as an, an addition, 
the two of us are not city people born and raised. So yeah, we became it. city people. Um, so okay. we lived as adults in the city for seven years, but we, like I grew up on a farm in Southern Ontario. Stefan grew up in much, much smaller towns. Yeah. Um, okay. And so the two of us understood what it was like to live outside of the city. So this whole like inward focus on Toronto and gay culture and um, that sort of thing, we, we understood what it was like to live in and out of it. And to the point about social life and access is, at least for me, and I imagine Marty as well, is we grew up understanding the secret that small towns can actually have incredibly thriving social lives. Um, And, you know, it may not be everyone your age. So fine, you're talking multi-generational or at the very least a larger age range. But it's not that small towns are dead all the time. Um, Mm. and and so we kind of were like, okay, we're moving to a small town. We don't know anyone there. So we have to meet people. That would be a difficult hurdle. But at at least for me, I wasn't scared of losing a hundred percent of the social life. And the other thing is I did, um, a lot of queer studies in university. And one of the things that stood out in my, in the research that I would read for classes is how queer small towns can be. It's much quieter. Um, it's, it's a different kind of queerness and yes, it can be less safe, but it still exists. And so I was, I, I came with this idea of like, there are probably queers here, and I will find them and we will become friends. Um, and I literally I created this little strategy that I called aggressive friending. Um, oh my God. And so we started, <laughs> so, you know, to, uh, I, I've kind of gone beyond your question a little bit, but that when we help. moved, we started posting on Instagram, which was initially just a digital log for our friends and family back home. So we didn't, we didn't try to become an influencer. We're still not, but yeah. It's, it was just documenting. And then people started reaching out. So a couple up the street uh, messaged us and was like, I know where your house is. I'm bringing muffins. Welcome to town. What? Um, and so you that know, was like day one. We got muffins just, and a greeting from a queer couple who lives up the street. And, and what? And they told us later, they're like, we were so excited. We saw a picture of two men on a local hashtag. So we looked it up and then we, you know, we saw that you were a couple based on the description and the picture. So it was like, oh my God, a queer, let's do it. Um, and they're some of our closest friends. They're wonderful, wonderful people. And then uh, uh, that's happened multiple times. Other queer folks in town, knowing what it's like, knowing that there isn't as much of a queer life are like, oh, you know, we just bought our house and this, this happened. Uh, we bought our house a couple of years ago. If you ever need to borrow some tools for your reno, we have a bunch. Just text. Wow. And I responded within five minutes being like, do you want to get a beard now? Just, <laughs> just do you want to hang out? Do you want to be friends? I'm and, ready. Yeah. <laughs> and I just did that across the board. Anyone who reached out to us and was like, congrats on moving. I'm your neighbor. I'm like, great. Do you want to be friends? Um, wow. So we quickly replaced our social life. I mean, we miss our friends dearly, but they also now come out to visit because we're now like a vacation for them. Um, and in the meantime, we have huge potlucks and barbecues and we have a parlor now so we can do afternoon tea in the parlor. Like we get to do lots of really fun gay shit, just a slightly different variety. That's what, that's what I'm hearing is like, 
there is this assumption that gay people, um, queer people need to be in a big city because that's where we are. That's where the gay bars are. And a lot of, I mean, fuck, I was a huge club kid. That was my thing. Like I, I had to be like <laughs> dragged from the club, kicking and screaming. Not like that anymore. I've been with Evan um, for a long time, but we have this conversation a lot, like more and more and more. Once you stop going to the clubs and you're in a relationship, your experience as a gay person changes because what you need changes. And we're, we're pulled towards a quieter life, but there's the inner struggle of like, well, wait, what if we go there and there's no gay people? What if they're homophobic? What if mm-hmm. I get there and realize, oh my God, I do need to be near drag queens. I do need to have like walk down the street and see another couple holding hands because you can romanticize the small town life. And I feel like as soon as Instagram came out years ago, there were yeah. gay couples moving, having farms and you would see them like, you know, their picture perfect life, you know, with the, with the animals and the, and the pies. And I'm like, is that, is that really wholesome yeah. is that really satisfying or like are we as gay people inherently tied to these metro centers because it's in our nature to be big city people but i'm hearing from you that no it's not well and the other thing is like the queens come out here so mm. our little town actually had its first pride in 2021 uh or sorry 2022 last mm. year um so we have a little pride it's 100 people who walk four blocks <laughs> down the main drag but like it's it exists and it's fun yeah. and we noticed that in other small towns in rural nova scotia and then during pride season last year because halifax pride is july so not not the toronto june but july here mm-hmm. Queens came out and we live in wine country. So they put up a giant like wedding tent at one of the wineries here. And we had a drag show at a winery while drinking really good wine. And it's, you know, 10 minutes up the road. So it's like the, the queer life is starting to emanate more and more into smaller towns. Um, in that more traditional way, like we get some of those city benefits. But the other thing, as per our checklist, is we're 45 minutes from downtown Halifax. So if That's we really want to go out and have that city life, we have it. Um, and we've really patted ourselves on the back for sticking to our guns on that one. Because we saw some gorgeous houses in our budget that were, you know, an hour and a half from the city. And you start to do that like, oh, we can do it. It's fine. I'm so happy we stuck to it. We we say that when we're getting in the car constantly uh, because it has allowed us to access the city whenever we need it. Um, and that, that's been a huge function for our life here is it, it for me, it's just like a mental load off. I don't mm-hmm. feel forced to make something work that isn't working because I have nothing else. Where it's like, yeah. let's do what feels awesome here. And if we really need something else, we go into Halifax. How often do you go to the city? Um, I am in the city probably two to three times a week. I commute there for work a couple yeah. times mm-hmm. a week. Um, and we might go for, for pleasure, um, like maybe once every couple of weeks. Yeah, two, three times a month. Um, okay. And like, before, like in the morning without traffic, it's a 45 minute drive. It's really not too bad. Um you know, during the day, it can be a little slower, but like, you know, people in Toronto would drive 45 minutes just to get three kilometers down the road. So <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a very different kind of commute. Um, and Halifax is interesting because it's a very different city than what we're used to. It's significant. It's smaller. I think it's mm-hmm. only like 400 or 500,000, 600, 500 in HRM. I yeah. 500,000 people in the whole region. Um, 
And so it's a little smaller, but it has like on the peninsula, it's quite dense. And, you know, you've got, there are a couple um, bars and clubs and stuff that Mm -hmm. are, do kind of cater more to like the nightlife, gay culture kind of thing. Um, And, you know, there's quite a group and we have a group of friends in the city as well that, you know, we go back and forth with. So it's Mm. that we kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, We live in our little cute, you know, picturesque little town. And then we're just, you know, a quick trip into the city. And it's all honestly all been through Instagram and it's my, my little strategy of aggressive friending, but I've noticed this trend of it's people who are uh, often from Ontario. So I'm like, Oh, we're all recovering Ontarians. So we moved to, (laughs) we moved to Halifax, but some of our closest friends in the city were Instagram followers. And they're like, Hey, we saw that you moved from Toronto. We moved from London, Ontario. And I'm like, do you want to be friends? We'll drive. Um, And it just it worked out beyond well, worked out because I'm being really aggressive about it. But that that's been able to give us that li- that little like queer extension. Um, and the other thing is now kind of as we move into to quote unquote post pandemic life, um, the direct flight from Toronto uh, from Halifax to New York City is back. And we're actually going to New York City to celebrate our fifth anniversary in two weeks. Um, so, you know, we we get those connections. It's the same as Toronto. It's actually a shorter flight from Halifax to New York versus Toronto to New York. Now, obviously, Toronto has more of those flights more frequently, but mm. you do get the access. So it's not like we've lost much. Um, and the other thing, too, is door to door, including security, flight time, deplaning, getting into the city. It takes seven hours to get to Toronto. So mm. it would be the same as if we moved to Ottawa. Right. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of pros. Like you both seem excited. There's people there. You're close to Halifax. You've got this great place. Is there anything that has happened so far that has surprised you in a negative way that you're like, oh shit, we didn't think about that. Do you want to see our heating bills? Oh, well, I do want to talk about money. So you decide if you want to go there now or we got it. We'll, we'll talk about a couple other cons first and then you can rip open okay. our wallets. <laughs> um, for me, it's cars. Uh, I, I loved living smack in the middle of Toronto um, because I could walk everywhere. Like I was the guy that would walk up to an hour to save a TTC fare. That's that, me. That, was, that is me. That was my vibe. And that just doesn't exist here. Now, granted, we have a bit of walkability because we're in the core of our town. So we can walk to the brewery, to the restaurant, to the gin distillery, uh, to the cafe, etc. But post being office. post office, but being car dependent definitely sucks. Um, both both from a mobility perspective and from a financial perspective. Uh, that's probably the absolute biggest one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the we we actually did a really good job with our list and our planning that I think we avoided a lot of pitfalls that we have actually witnessed some people fall mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. in regards to their... Like what? Um, like what? Like what? <laughs> Drama. Um, so... <laughs> not naming names or anything, but we have had friends that have, have, they fell in love with a property and like, to be fair, it was glorious. It was beautiful, like oceanfront, like once in a lifetime opportunity to purchase something like that. Um, And they fell in love with it. They bought it. Um, But ultimately they realized that there were significant issues with living 
on the ocean, you know, out isolated like that. Yeah. Um, and so you can't, you know, walk to the coffee shop or the post office or anything like you have to get in your car and drive for 20 minutes, even just to get into a little village to go do something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at, in the beginning, you think, oh, this is fine. No worries. But then eventually you reach a point where, like, unless you really wanted that isolation, you start to feel like you've got like a fortress around you, like you can't get to things. Yeah. Um, and so ultimately they ended up moving. And, uh, oh, no. you know, and we've seen a couple other situations of people who, you know, have moved out here into different towns like that are a little bit further out yeah. and they've ultimately kind of realized that they do miss the, like the more active gay life. And so they maybe moved all the way either back into Halifax or back to Ontario or something like wow. that. And I think that we just were able to, with our list of access and, you know, to airport, to cities, to things like that, we found that really kind of sweet spot between getting everything we want in a yeah. property um, with the big old house and all that kind of stuff, but also, and that was affordable, um, but also still having access to the, you know, the nightlife and the, the, you know, the, the, the trips and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And the other thing. So I, I know another set of friends that did go for that secluded oceanfront and they love it. Um, but they're even noticing the difference where in those communities, people often self-select because they like being solo. So your neighbors don't talk to you. So even if you love it, you know, we had, we had one friend who ended up selling their beautiful oceanfront and, and leaving because it wasn't the lifestyle. They didn't want to be isolated. This other folks, they love being isolated, but they wouldn't mind talking to the human who is 200 feet away, but doesn't want to talk to them. And so that that can be a real detriment where we're, excited and I'm bragging about my aggressive friending strategy, like that only works because we're in a community where people talk to each other. We're in an Mm. actual small town that has history, has community versus just living either very, very rural or moving to a more suburban community where everyone's kind of just doing their own thing. Uh, So, so that's been a big one, but I, to Marty's point is like, we thought about, our emotional lives a lot with our checklist and the people that didn't, it becomes very apparent where they're like, Oh, I'm really lonely. And it's like, well, yeah, you move to the literal middle of nowhere and you have a gorgeous ocean property, but like, of course the internet's not going to work. You're in the middle of nowhere. Like it just, Oh my God. You feel you, obviously sympathy, but you're also like, girl, you did this to yourself. Exactly. There has to be a self-awareness with this kind of move, right? And I was reading an article, this um, woman, I think it was in Blog TO. She had, you know, they have a lot of campaigns right now in Toronto for people to move to Alberta. They're like yeah. trying to get people. So she, you know, she fell for it. She, she fell for it. She decided. Oh, I read this I article. It, right? Yeah. And she yeah. was like. She lived in Toronto. She went out five nights a week. She loved the big city. She loved the diversity. She loved going to the park and having drinks. She moved to the suburbs of Edmonton, hated it, moved back within like a year. And she was like, you know, there was, there was people didn't even know what a lounge was. Nightlife was so dead. And I'm like, but you already knew about yourself that you were going out four nights a week and you love nightlife and you love that vibe. Why on God's green earth would you move to Edmonton? Hello. Or, or at the very least, go downtown to get whatever does yeah. exist. Because, yeah. She could have had that same experience and not left Ontario. Like, she could have just moved to Pickering or something like that and had, like, the same, had the same experience or, you know, London, Ontario or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I read the same thing and it's, that it's, yeah. 
the expect like she I don't think she thought through the you know the results of that choice. Or you have just to know who you are. Well, I mean, we're not trying to dunk on this poor woman, but you know, she she fell in love or maybe was misled a little, and it's kind of like, yeah, that that absolutely can happen if you don't follow your own boundaries. Because I know for us, you know, when we were looking at those properties that were a little far away from Halifax, the hour and a half, the two hours, and they were stunning. They they just I couldn't believe it. Um, but you kind of know you're you have that little feeling in your gut being like mm, maybe not this one like yeah. you might regret this because you're not actually being true to yourself and it's kind of just listen to that you know yeah. don't don't go for the instagram picture go for the actual life yes exactly you have to know who you are in that situation so self awareness that's a good and like romanticizing something like living on the ocean in a beautiful place versus the reality there's no internet like oh my god what how would you work how would you talk to people how would you do anything like that is that's pretty extreme but i have seen those places online and they're very tempting oh they're they're beautiful but you got to realize that those are either people's incredibly isolated existence, which if you want that, go for it, like, please. Or it's someone's second property when they need to yeah. escape for a week and then yeah. get back to life. Yeah. And just, just know what you're getting into. Like ask the question of what is the actual use case here? So let's talk about money a little bit. Um, sure. Because listen, a lot of the allure and appeal of leaving big cities is the financial relief, right? Is like, oh my God, like for $800,000, I can have a full house. Um, Whereas in Toronto, you can get like a studio or a one bedroom. And I think that's the easiest argument for people to make is like, you know, financially, it makes sense. So I want to hear a little bit about your financial journey. Like, did you own your place in? No, no, we were renting. Okay. Okay. So tell me, tell me the renting to buying what your budget was like. We had no COVID equity. Everyone was like, oh, you Toronto boys sold your condo. And I'm like, no, we did not have a condo. Um, Um, So we started we were living in Stefan's apartment that he had been in that was rent controlled for very like all seven years that you were there. Yeah. Oh damn. So we had a very good deal on that. And our dream was to like, you know, purchase uh, like many to be in like cabbage town and like have one of the cabbage town houses or something. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like the, we would have killed for one of those. And so of course we will follow the prices and we were hoping maybe, Oh, with COVID maybe like there'll be a, you know, the market will downturn and properties will become cheaper the exact opposite happened, of course. Um, and so that's when we started looking further afield. Yep. Yeah. A field. <laughs> um, so, so we, we set a budget. Um, and the thing about Nova Scotia is uh, property prices are actually uh, publicly available data. So we have no problem sharing this. Uh, our house was listed. Um, I forget the exact number, but long story short, we bought it for 325,000, uh, which yeah, most people wow. make that face with the <laughs> with the oh, I see so... you a little bit. I oh, did see, I okay. did see three hundred and fifty thousand or whatever in one of the articles about you both. Yeah, and I didn't know if like when they said that was your budget, like that's how much you had to spend, or that's how much the house was in total. Uh, no, that that was the price of the house. Um, wow. So we bought the house for three hundred and twenty-five, and we put down our down payment. Um, so so. The, those numbers, you you look 
I mean, so our house is seven bedrooms, seven bathrooms. That house alone in Toronto, not don't even worry about it. But you know, a, you look at the price of a three or four bedroom house in the annex or in Cabbage Town, uh, and then you compare to this, and it's like, well, that seems like an absolute no brainer. But then you know, we have a full oil heating system, and you've seen what's happened to the price of oil in the past two years. So our our January bills. Uh, you know, we keep the house as cold as we can possibly stand wow. when we don't have guests. When we have guests, we turn it up. So if you are thinking of coming to stay, it will be warm. Don't worry. But uh, we keep it as cold as we can stand to save on on bills. And in the meantime, as Marty mentioned earlier, you know, we're investing in solar panels. That's going to reduce our cost to run the house, but that's a capital investment. And then you have, you know, the back deck is needs to be a little, replaced in some areas and we want to enlarge it. So that's a capital investment. So you say cost of living is or cost of real estate is lower. That's absolutely true in terms of what your dollar can get you to buy. But you do have to consider running costs and infrastructural updates that you just don't have with a condo. So we, if we had bought an $800,000 condo with, you know, whatever, uh, whatever maintenance fee, a thousand bucks now, it seems is the pretty, pretty standard. Um, that would be kind of it. Everything else would be cosmetic and the problems would be someone else's problem. Whereas here, yeah, our mortgage payment is quite low and, and that's kind of the, the banner number, but then you factor in, all of the heating, all of the capital upgrades, um, the property taxes, which Nova Scotia property taxes on a percentage basis are really quite high. There, um, our property tax percentage here is actually triple Toronto's property tax percentage. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. So the property values are lower, but the percentages are higher. So we're paying quite a bit in property tax. Um, little little things like that, and then the cost of living here. It's interesting because it's not actually lower. It's like Toronto has the discount that you get with economies of scale, but then has the city premium attached to it. Here, there are no economies of scale. So we have the distance premium attached. So the prices are actually very, very similar. Mm. Our grocery bill did not go down, for instance. Um, but yeah, the, the money side is interesting. We're also in a unique situation because I was rent controlled from 2014. So we were paying, you know, in in seven years of compounded rent increases, we were still below the average 2015 rents. Wow. So we actually have had a good period of like a few years where with especially with COVID in Toronto where we couldn't go out like you know you couldn't go to a restaurant you couldn't go out to the bars or anything so we were actually just tucking away like hundreds of of money in a week so we were just putting that into an account that's the secret of how we got the down payment so like I'm a huge supporter of rent controls because it actually gives you the freedom to either stay renting if you want or to actually be able to put some money apart. Like we put a very minimal down payment because that's what we could afford. Um, We worked our butts off. COVID helped in the sense that Marty said we weren't going out as much, we weren't traveling, but it was really the rent control because if we had to pay market rents in Toronto, uh, I don't know what we would have been able to do. Like we'd probably still be renting and just trying to figure it out. So So you said there's a lot of like unexpected 
costs that you maybe right. don't consider when you see 350,000. So now in your standard of living or like your, your month to month, year to year, are you feeling a different kind of financial stress? Or are you still feeling like, no, this is good. We got this. No worries. Um, um, it's a different kind of financial stress. Um, I think, and I think it's just becoming an adult. It's kind of, but it's like, <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you don't get to put money towards the fun things. Um, mm, so, yeah. you know, we are, we're capable, like we are both employed, thankfully, and we are both able to, um, like we are able to pay our bills. We're able to pay the taxes. We're able to pay our mortgage, um, and kind of manage the fluctuations that happen with those. Um, but it's not fun, but I think, you know, you get lost. <laughs> in, yeah. You get lost in Pinterest and like, you want to do that, you know, that reno, you want to do the bathroom or you want to, you know, the new kitchen or something. But, you know, no, we have to spend way more money than you'd think it would be to put new shingles on the roof or you, yeah. know, you have to replace that deck because it's becoming a, you know, health and safety hazard. And so you end up having to do all these projects because you have to, not because you actually want it. Um, and the roof in particular mm -hmm. I, like hit us. We were we were told by the inspector that the roof probably had three to four years left on it. And then we got a secondary inspection after we moved in and they're like, mm, you should replace this. So we had to replace the roof this or sorry, last year, 2022, when we weren't expecting to need to until 2024. So, you know, there's money out the door that we didn't have time to prepare for. Um, but I don't know. For me, it was flipping one, uh, switching one stress for another because mm -hmm. as a tenant, I lived in constant fear because I had such a good rent that my landlord would find a reason to evict me. Yeah. Um, and, and when we left, we chatted with the building manager, super nice dude, actually from Nova Scotia. That was the interesting thing. We started telling people we were moving to Nova Scotia, the number of people who were like, oh my God, I'm from there. Um, <laughs> so we were chatting with him. He's like, yeah, man, you know, we're going to throw in a washer dryer to make this an in-unit laundry versus in-building laundry, clean it up a bit, fresh coat of paint and rent it for $700 more a month. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I hate that because it's like fears confirmed. You were going to find a way to kick me out. So this idea yeah. of like, how do I find the money to pay for the roof was stressful. And we had conversations about it, but I personally find that conversation less stressful than what am I going to do if my landlord finds a way to evict me? Mm. Because at least with um, fixing the roof, it's still, you're not at risk of being kicked out of your house. It's your home. You own it. Yeah. So it might be more expensive at times, but it's yours. Yeah. And, and also you can rationalize a lot of it since most, infrastructural updates, a new roof, new flooring, heat pumps, solar panels, add roughly the same value to the house that you paid for the thing. So mm. if you're spending 20 grand on unexpected renos, and maybe, you know, we've had to take out small loans to like figure that stuff out, it roughly added 20 grand to the value of the house. So you can kind of rationalize and say, oh, I'm just being forced to increase the value of my house a little bit. Ooh, we can't do anything with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we can't, we can't eat that. That's not cash. I'd much rather have the money in my hand, but if it has to go, there's a bit of a consolation where, yeah. you know, with, with Toronto, again, with our, our rent control, it like actually scared me. We were trapped because we first looked to just rent a bigger place. Cause we were okay being renters. It wasn't awful, but 
instantly would have doubled our rent, no matter what. Even if we had oh. actually just found another one bedroom, would have doubled our rent. So Easy. we're like, okay, you know, we have to do it. And so being here, I think our our monthly housing costs have doubled, but we have ten times the space. Um, They've doubled and you had rent control. So basically you're paying maybe a regular amount for somebody who lives in Toronto, would you say? Maybe a little more, but yeah. 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 Okay. So if you were to compare somebody who's living in the city to your life, your monthly costs might actually be comparable, but you get the seven bedroom house. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. I, there's no lie there. I think we, I think we maybe pay a little bit more, but it's, yeah, it's, Mm. you could definitely get a slightly smaller home and that would be true. But the, yeah, yeah, cause you know, we bought this house for 325 at a time when two bedroom bungalows were going for 110,000. So if you had, if you had chosen that life instead, right. uh, <laughs> then, and then obviously everything's proportional. So the roof doesn't cost X, it costs half X cause you've got the smaller roof. Yeah. So there, there definitely could have been a way to make this cheaper. But I was going to say is like, we wanted the bigger house. One, because I'm a bit of a maximalist on that. Like, I love big old houses. I literally wanted to move to France and move into a castle. Yep. So, like, we're I'm okay on on big. Um, but the other part is it gives us income potential by running the, by running a B and B. So, you know, we kind of turn the house into a business that carries itself a little, uh, yeah. and you know, revenue from guests it goes right back in, um, and and that's about it. Uh, it, it's it's really not too bad. Oh, we have, and actually we have guests right now that are coming back in. We might need to we might need to move upstairs. That's okay. That's okay. Um, do you walk want and talk to for a sec? Yeah, walk and talk. It's a good segue actually because I wanted to hear about the business side of things. Um, yes, you you wanted to be you wanted to have a B and B. That was part of the strategy, wasn't it? It was part of the strategy. Yeah, we uh, we talked about it, and Marty and I both love big old houses. But then we reached this moment where we're like, "Well, those are very expensive to run. How are we going to do this?" Um, so <laughs> we came up with this idea to say, "Great, we absolutely love hosting people." You're getting a good tour of our stairway, by the way. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, walking through the way. Love hosting people, so we thought, "Heck, why don't we host people?" Full time, just make that our business, and it that kind of worked out from there. It was an interesting thing, where by by hosting people, we get to do what we love in the house, which is host people. Like we love having people over for meals, for fun, and the idea of getting to actually make money from it makes life a lot easier. So when you buy the house and you you think that you're going to put together a B&B, is that, um, like, how how has the reality of that been? Like, we talked about the reality of moving somewhere remote where you think you know you have no idea. What about the business side of running a B&B? Like, has it been, um, I don't want to say instantly successful because nothing is like that, but how's the journey been to like get the house ready for guests? Are they coming? Yeah. Is it helping you financially? And, and also I'm curious what, when people come and stay with you in an, in a BB and B and B, are you like talking to them every day and like sitting with them or like, do you, 
do you say, okay, nice to see you. Like, enjoy the meal. I'll talk to you later. Or are you like super hosty Martha Stewart, you know, checking in with them all the time and like, you know, being their best friend while they stay with you? Um, For the last kind of that was, so there's a few different elements of what that was, but um, in regards to the home rentals and stuff, we've really been enjoying it because that's part of what we knew we'd have to do when moving into a house like this that needed some of these updates and things like that. And actually regarding the guest rooms themselves, it was nice to have a reason to actually pump money, like to have to focus mm-hmm. on putting money into that and doing some of those fun um, renovations where you could actually like, you know, go for the fancy, um, you know, the fancy bedding or like get the, you know, do the fun things that we wanted to do in regards to reno. And there yeah. was kind of a financial reason to do that. Um, so, and that was actually it was really fun because that kind of got us started and, you know, we started learning a lot of skills that we didn't already have, like, you know, plaster work and painting and, and that installing light fixtures and like reupholstery. (laughs) And, you know, I might need to start learning to sew to make curtains. I don't know. There's a lot of things that are going on. Um, but otherwise we try to be Martha Stewart. Well, in regards (laughs) to guests, I think that's part of the fun of hosting people is finding out, what they want or need out of their experience. So you have some people who come in who really want to chit chat um, over breakfast usually um, and like find out local, like what's going on locally, where mm-hmm. can they go for lunch? What's the, you know, why, why are we here? What's our story um, and things like that. And then you have other people um, who, you know, they're kind of amongst, they talk amongst themselves and they, they, they're already on their, itinerary and they don't really care nor mind and so they (laughs) they just want breakfast and they'll they'll get out and they just go about their day which is also fine so we kind of you know investigate we we, you know you start formally and then you chat with them for a little bit and then you find out what their needs or wants are and go from there Mm. yeah and we we tried to build an experience that we would want to be in because we've we've stayed in big hotels small hotels b&bs in the past and the part that we always loved was access to the hosts but otherwise having our time and space respected so you know if if you show signs of being chatty like we'll we'll start a conversation we'll be friendly we'll ask how your sleep was how your night was how the breakfast is but if if you're not showing signs of being chatty after that we'll kind of bow out and just say you know enjoy we're here if you need us but if you are chatty we'll chat back and obviously Mm. there are are like timelines to that and we both work full time so i'm setting up breakfast and then being like how chatty can i be for seven minutes before i need to go respond to emails um but it's the kind of experience we would hope to get for ourselves is that you know we you come to a bnb you're staying in someone's house like you're 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 having a specific experience you know what you're walking into but at the same time we want to offer you know, the term that we use is elevated. What is it? What does it mean to have this elevated experience of like, you get privacy when you want it, because you are a paying guest. And and we feel that you deserve that. Um, You you haven't signed up to hear our life story just because you're staying. (laughs) Yeah, they come and you just like start talking to them all the time. This is where I'm from. This is what I do. These are my friends. This is my drag queens. Yeah, you know, favorite drag queens. Um, But it's it's actually been so fun because since we were on CTV and in the New York Times, a lot of our guests read about us from those sources. So we had one, a husband-wife duo from a small town in Canada, and they come and she goes, you know, I told my husband I saw those two nice boys on CTV and I wanted to stay at their bed and breakfast. 
And so we were like the reason for their visit to Windsor, which is so cool. Like it just is a really humbling thing. But then when they say things like that, part of their experience is chatting with us. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's for me, super cool. I, you know, I mentioned both of our families uh, grew up, like we grew up hosting people. Usually it was just other family, but I'm Greek. I've got a pretty big family. And so it's, you just get used to that idea of people showing up. So it's, it's so fun to get to do. I did not know you were in the New York times. I missed that little one. Oh, well, yeah, that was actually our first feature. That's, uh, that's how CTV heard about us. (laughs) What? How did that happen? Um, a bit of a roundabout story, but New York times was doing a feature on the economic growth of the East coast. And then the story kind of evolved into like, who are the people? Like they made a human interest. Um, and so it it started with, I don't know if you saw during the pandemic, the New York times was like, Nova Scotia is probably the safest place in the world right now because of the bubble Mm. and the the rules and all that. And so they followed up with like, how has that decision helped them? And then they were looking for people across the Maritimes. And I got a connection from Twitter. The journalist did kind of a call out and a friend of a friend was like, hey, Stefan, didn't you move to Nova Scotia? Like you might fit for this story. So I send a note and the guy's like, oh, you actually would be a perfect fit. It was so cool. Oh. They sent a photographer out. We got a full <gasps> photo shoot out of it. Um, and all oh like, cool. like serious drama shots too. Like oh. sun coming in the window and us sitting in the dining room looking like, you know, some looking just, away from the yeah, camera, looking away from the camera. <laughs> like it was a very, very, okay. personal, very kind of moody. It was so cool. And, situation. and then that's actually how CTV figured it out again from Twitter. A CTV journalist was like, Oh, you know, I, I want to talk to millennials who left Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone was like, Stefan left Toronto. Um, and there you go. So it's, you, it's super cool. I love it. And it's it allows us to have more and more of these conversations. It's like I had no goal to be in CTV News. But it's so totally. cool that by being in CTV News, someone else heard about us, came to stay to get to know us. Like that is such a cool feeling when someone says, I really wanted to get to know you. You also could potentially tap into more money by um, using social media like TikTok, I don't know if you guys are on TikTok, but I have a friend. Ooh, so like, <laughs> TikTok's an interesting story. TikTok, we had a moment. Um, I actually, I, we were on TikTok. I was the one who kind of was forcing the TikTok game. I was on TikTok and I was like, this is mm-hmm. fun. We can definitely use this. It's a fun platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made a video of us on our move out. So like, you know, video of the our old apartment empty and then like we're going on an adventure. And then I made like a whole um, mm-hmm. kind of montage of our trip over yeah. and then like coming into our house. And it blew up. We became like half a million views in a couple of days. Um, oh we my had God. people reaching out to us like all over, like in our friend group. Arthur's trying to um, Sorry, I'm just going to. Our cat. Kind of a- Aw, Kitty, um, I was going to ask about animals. Yes. Uh, Lord Arthur Cuddlesworth. Very appropriate. Um, yes. So I made this TikTok and. Um, it it blew up. We had half a million views, and then um, we started getting like there was the comments were a, like vicious, vicious and violent. Partly against us, they people in the comments started um, 
because the COVID bubble was still kind of a thing. So they were complaining that like, you know, Ontario, so Ontarians were the reason Ontarians moving East were the reason that locals could no longer afford homes. Yeah. They accused us of evicting a bunch of tenants, which is untrue. This was a bed and breakfast before we bought it. Like there were no tenants. Just a um, lot of that. A lot of, a, a few go home and I'm like, that's fascinating. A lot of go home. <laughs> And then there was arguments about the wording I used. I called it a mansion. And then people online, especially Americans, were like, that's not a mansion and yeah. blah, 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 a real mansion. And then they're like, comment about like, you know, homes in Texas that are 50,000 square feet. And I'm like, sure, that's also, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, the drama. And so ultimately, in the end, there was also a bunch of conversations that was sharing a lot of personal information about the old owners mm. and about individuals in town yeah. and people what? like. And yeah. people who like started sharing the address and all of this type of stuff. And so uh, ultimately we just got really uncomfortable with the amount of like negative chatter and then the personal information that was getting shared. Um, yeah. So we kind of just stopped with TikTok. At that this point. is from one post. Yeah, yeah. We had, we had like hundred, it's still available. I think if you want to yeah. look it up. Attempted I should have started the damn interview here. Holy shit. I love that drama. Well, you could just just edit, put this at the front, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So when you say things were coming out about the old owner, you mean like there were things you didn't know and it was problematic and they started talking about them? Just sharing sharing personal information about them that like nobody needed to know and that just wasn't... Just their opinions of like... Oh well, the old owner you know, wanted too much money for it. Like not not uh, doxing level, but just got it. It it could have gotten there. It was getting perilously close to 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 that to having people sharing way too personal information on such a public plat- platform. Yeah, that those people aren't even on. So like it seemed very mm. very unfair. We also had a, a little girl show up at our doorstep. Oh, um, who you know like the actual TikTok crowd that's, you know, 14, 15. She was younger she's than nine. that. She like knocked on her door and she's like, I saw you guys on TikTok. Like, thanks for moving to the community. And then she like skipped home and we just kind of like watched her go. Cause we were like, I don't think she should be alone. <laughs> like she was that young. What the fuck? And, but it was, it was, crazy. Precious, though. It, was it was really she cute. Was, she was really cute. She was so genuine. Cause I answered the door and I heard her say like, I saw you on TikTok and I'm like, I'm about to get egged right now. Like what's happening. And she goes, I just wanted to welcome you to the community. I, I love your house. I live just down the street. And, and I'm like, that she like full oh, on just okay. skipped home. It was, like, it was, it was just cute. the sweetest thing. Um, wow. And, yeah. That's and so, so it, it was a mess, um, but, but a fun mess. And so <laughs> as, as Marty said, we just ultimately decided it's like TikTok would have been the route if we were trying to be an influencer, but we only cared about documenting for our friends and family. So Instagram did more than enough. And Instagram has led, to every single genuine friendship we have here. Like, honestly, wow. I, I, the one thing I thank Mark Zuckerberg for. I will also say in regards to TikTok, I have respect for TikTok creators because TikTok videos themselves can take forever yeah. to hours yeah. to, to make and time and to like all of that and getting the music lined up perfectly. Like I know there's presettings, but like it was just, it was time consuming. And since both totally. of us B and B have jobs, whatever we were, I just, I could not do that. Full-time. I think if yeah. you can get um, like monetize it and make a lot of money, it becomes a job essentially. But that's a lot of bullshit for one post when you're just trying to like have fun. It's yeah. like unnecessary. Yeah. It, and then where does that lead if you keep if you keep engaging with those people? Like it's like inciting the mob. Yeah, yeah and we just had no interest in doing that, given that our goal 
was to just share what's going on. And it's like, okay, yeah. fine. This platform's made it pretty clear that they don't want to see it. Now, granted, <laughs> we had about 400 hate comments, but we also had about 400 welcome to the community. Don't listen to the haters. You know, your house is cute, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't all bad. It just was enough to make us think like, mm, maybe not. So you just said, um, I think you just said something about, oh, your goal. Like it wasn't part of your goal to like use TikTok or whatever, but yeah. what you've, you've made a huge life change. I think that you guys are doing a great job. You seem to be thriving. I know that there's like unexpected things that happen, but it seems like overall things are moving in the right direction. So now that you've done this move, now that the BNB is open and you're sort of in your group, do you have your sights set on like what the next five, 10 years looks like for you? Is there a new evolution of the house? Do you think you'll stay there for a long time? What are you thinking? What What is the next, what does the future look like for you too? So the house isn't done yet. I think yeah. that's, that's the main thing. So we still have another guest suite that we need to renovate. Um, so hopefully in the end, we'll, we'll have like three full guest suites. Um, we've kind of commented on like the deck going in and like there's mm -hmm. other significant renovations we would love to do like the kitchen and the front porch mm -hmm. and like there, this house, old houses, always there's things to do. And, you know, if budget and time allows, it, it would be nice to do them. So right now, I think both of us view it as like an unfinished project. So it's kind of, you know, we're still here for the foreseeable future. We have no plans to leave. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to continue to continue working on that. And then professionally, yeah. Stefan is still working through with his consultancy. And I'm working at still as a registered nurse for Nova Scotia. Um, so like professionally, we're still moving forward as well. So as like I said, as of right now, there's no plans to leave in the near term. And so yeah. I think we're enjoying it. And for as long as we do enjoy it and want to be here, we'll we'll stay. And it's just like, it's a freaking hoot. Like, I, it's just enjoyable <laughs> doing this. Like, we, we chose adventure. We got adventure. So we're happy. Oh, I love that. That's a great way to end. I'm actually planning a trip over there soon. So I will definitely be coming to stay with Please you Please let us know. Okay. Yes. Amazing. Yes. We'll invite it's over the games. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Invite <laughs> them all over. My friend, um, Darcy, he lives, he lives in a small town outside of Vancouver. And he always says... There's no gays, but the closest thing they have to a gay pride parade is when him and his husband go and check the mail. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's, you know, we're we're going to now promenade to, to check yeah, yeah. the future versus just walk. But thank <laughs> anyway. you so much for sharing your story with me and the listeners. And I'm definitely going to stay in touch. I'm already following you guys. And yeah, we'll be meeting in real life in the near future. I love it. Thank you so much for having us. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. I...